Kelly McEffers, thank you so much for making time for us today. You're welcome. Now, you've recently taken the host chair as the the, the full-time host, I should say, of All Things Considered. Uh, How is it going so far? Are you feeling comfortable yet? Yeah. I mean, it's such a totally different job in some ways from being a reporter, you know? Like, I don't have to change my clothes when I ride my bike to work, so I can just sit (laughs) in the studio. (laughs) Nobody's looking. Um, But, you know, yeah, it's it's a very fast pace on the days of the show. You know, you start the meeting at 6.30 California. Time and it's just like boom, 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 all the way through. Like it's really intense, um, but it's awesome. Like in that, in that, I was just telling someone in that one day, you might talk to somebody who won the Nobel Peace Prize and talk to somebody who was in a tribe called Quest and then talk to someone who wrote a cover story for Ebony Magazine about Bill Cosby. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a lot of conversations you're going to have, but, um, you know, and then they all get on the show and it all comes together right before your eyes. And then you go home and you get up the next day and do it again. Was it a hard decision to take that hosting job, though? I mean, you were a conflict reporter for for a long time. I, I have to think that, you know, you still have a certain affection for for being out in the field in, instead of in a studio in a chair. Yeah, it's totally, totally different. And I, everybody around me is like, are you sure? Do you want to do this? You know, because they know how I am. But um, it's like a totally different set of muscles, right? It's like learning to use a new set of muscles. And it's really fun. Like all, I still get to talk to people constantly. Like I'm talking to people all day long. I mean, they pay me to talk. It's great. Um And so, and it's just different kinds of people than I would talk to normally um, before, you know, instead of drilling down on one thing and just like knowing the Syrian conflict in and out, because I've talked to all the players on the ground of that one particular story. I'm literally considering all things now. And that is super different. Um, But it's, I don't know, it's just really rewarding. Like, because again, you get to talk to musicians, you get to talk to artists, you get to talk to politicians, newsmakers, still get to talk to regular people. And every time you do that, you learn something, right? You, you know, I don't know. Like I was talking to Elvis Costello the other day and... That was a fantastic conversation, oh, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it was very well produced. I will say that um, by my colleague, Becky Sullivan. Um, but it it's one of those things where, yeah, it's cool to talk to somebody famous who you've been listening to your whole life. Like, that's totally cool. But it's like... We got to some deep stuff, you know. We talked about watching his father die and, you know, the fact that his father was unfaithful and then he was unfaithful and then he wrote about being unfaithful in a song and he didn't even realize that's what he was writing about. You know, you walk away from a conversation like that, you're like, you know, I've learned some stuff. Like, I've talked about big life issues and that's cool. You recently took a reporting trip to El Salvador for what was, uh, I thought, uh, a very powerful and, and a pretty difficult piece on on what it's like to be a teenage girl there. It's, you know, it's yeah. one of the most dangerous countries on Earth, though. I mean, tell us a little bit about why you, you chose El Salvador. What went into um, the desire to go there? The series is called 15 Girls, and it's our global health division is looking at the health and lives of 15-year-old girls around the world and the decisions they make. It's kind of a critical year, right? And the decisions they're trying to make to make their lives better, right? In some places, girls are married off at 15. In other places, you know, decisions are made about whether or not you're going to go to school or whether or not you have to stay home and help your family. In El Salvador in particular, in a place that is is very, very violent for the locals, right, because it's controlled by these very powerful street gangs. Um, 
girls often do not have a choice about what to do with their lives. Um, a girl can just be pointed out randomly in the middle of her neighborhood by a gang and say, you know, you're going to be my girlfriend. And if she says no, you know, she could be killed. Girls um, then because of that violence and that threat of violence will try to leave the country. I mean, we saw that so-called, quote unquote, surge of unaccompanied minors to the U.S. last summer. A lot of them were from Central America. A lot of them were from El Salvador. A lot of them were girls. You know, that's what they were running away from was that kind of violence. So we were just kind of curious. You know, we were curious about what makes them flee and just about how they cope in a place like this. You know, we obviously heard some harrowing, horrible, sad, awful stories. But, you know, then we also met girls who were who were facing up to kind of this stuff and, and, and making decisions about their lives and taking it on. You know, one girl was like, I live in a gang-infested neighborhood, and so I'm going to – I got to do something about it. I'm not just going to sit at home. I'm going to volunteer with the local paramedics. It's this this – this group called the Comandos de Salvamento, and it's the rescue squad, basically. And it's like, you know, she she gets a uniform on on a Friday night and works a 12-hour shift going out in an ambulance and, like, helping people. That's her way of dealing with it. Another girl was like, you know, my way of dealing with it is I stay home and I study, and I'm just going to I'm gonna do everything I can to educate myself and get out and start a new life for myself someday. You know, so it was seeing both sides of it, both the, the horrific sides, but also the empowering sides of it. That That's why we wanted to go there. I'm curious what surprised you most after after you got there, because, I mean, you, you can plan and plan and plan, but but ultimately, yeah. once you get on the ground, I mean, you know from experience, uh, things can be very different <laughs> from, what, always, from what you yeah. expect. The story always changes. The story always changes. You know, editors and planners and everybody's like, what's the story you're going to do? I'm like, I can tell you what I think I'm going to do, but it's not going to be the thing that I think it is. And in fact, for us, sadly, um, when we first, so our plan was, you know, to find 15 year old girls and just interview them, talk to them, talk to them about their lives, you know, see what kinds of threats they faced from the gangs and what they were doing about it. Our, so we got there on an afternoon. Uh, we went on a couple of interviews that we had set up ahead of time, went home to the hotel, went to sleep, woke up in the morning, got a phone call from a local journalist who we had been in contact with who said, um, you know, there's a 15 year old girl. And we said, yeah. He said, you better come. And um, it was a 15-year-old girl who had been killed in the street in broad daylight at 9 o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the morning commute by gangs. And that was obviously something we were not prepared to do. Um, and so we went and we met her family. And, you know, that was in the story obviously. And it was the first thing we put in the story because it was the first thing that happened to us when we were there. Sometimes the way you learn things is the way you should then turn around and tell them to everybody else. And uh, it wasn't easy to listen to, um, but we thought it was important. Were you ever scared? In El Salvador, it's interesting. Journalists are not typically targets. Um, there's kind of an unwritten agreement between the reporters and the gangs. You know, I mean, there's only, there's certain things you're going to report on, I think, and other things that you're not going to report on, mainly because you don't know. You don't have the names of the killers. You know what I mean? And a lot of times they won't even say the names of the gangs on the local news reports. The police even in El Salvador cover their faces on TV. 
because they don't want the gangs to know who they are. I mean, this is how much these guys control this country. But we also kind of knew the rules of the game going in. So these are the kinds of things you check out before you go to a place. How does it work? You know what I mean? The really the one time we so it's not like we're going to get caught in the crossfire. These are targeted, usually targeted killings, sadly. Um, one of the times when it's the most dangerous is what will happen is a gang will put out a false report of a killing in a neighborhood. And it will be one of these neighborhoods that has like one road in and only one, that same road is the only way you get out. And so a bunch of people, the police usually will come to respond to that report. And then the police will get ambushed by the gangs. Again, the gangs aren't targeting journalists, but if you happen to have been with the police, then you could get caught up in some violence. So we were very aware of this. These are the kinds of things you check out before you go, right? So we were very aware of this. We would never go to a scene without confirming it with a bunch of people beforehand, knowing that, you know, police were on the scene that was actually a, a confirmed crime scene, these kinds of things. These are the things you think about to sort of mitigate any fears you have of being in danger. But all that said... Anything could happen at any time, and you've got to be aware. And, yeah, it's kind of scary. Before coming back to the United States, I mean, you were a conflict reporter, like we mentioned, for quite a, a long time. And, and with El Salvador, I mean, you're heading back to a place of, of violence. I mean, is it a coincidence or, or is there something to the <laughs> idea that, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that in your bones, you know, you, you want to tell these stories in these places. You, Kelly McEvers, you, you want to go to these places and, and, and uh, share these tales want to go or feel like I need to go, feel like I should go, feel like we're obligated to tell these stories. It's 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 one or all of the above. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is it a thing? It's a thing. I mean, it's just I know how to do it. You know, I know how to to, to assess out dangers and risks and make lists and do the logistics, you know, like I know how to do it. That's part of it. You know, it's like, send me, I know how to do it. You know, drop me in. I'll figure this one out. I can do that. Um, uh, do I want to do it? It'd be hard to say yes to, but it's probably true. If you don't mind me asking, you know, I know you had and and have a lot of contacts, you know, in the Middle East and Syria, and uh, you know, you were, you were there in, in, in the middle of it. And, and when you see Headlines coming out of the Middle East now, um, you know, the U.S. and Russia starting to get involved. ISIS still there. Refugees flooding out of the region. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm curious with you more than many others. I mean, what what goes through your mind? It's really hard to not be there to tell their stories. There's people I know, people I followed for years. You know, there'd be these these people that I, I kept coming back to because every time their life would change. You know, they'd go from protester to rebel fighter to aid worker, you know, and now they're like refugees. So like that next chapter, I would love to be there to tell in some of these people's lives. Because I always thought that if people listening could understand how, <laughs> how these folks you know, how, how much they're going through, that they would have, a, you know, through one personal story, how they might have a deeper understanding of what's going on in Syria. Um, so, yeah, part of me is like, I really wish I could be there to tell those stories, especially with the Russian airstrikes, I feel like, because I think the Russians are working very hard to spin those as a certain thing. And from all accounts, I'm getting on the ground, just on social media, my Syrian contacts on the ground. It is not what it is. They are not just targeting ISIS. They are targeting 
civilians. They're targeting free Syrian army rebel positions. Um, and so, I'd, you know, I'd certainly like to tell those stories. ISIS, you know, it's a story you literally cannot tell. Kind of glad that I'm not there because I'd be frustrated. You can't get a visa to the Islamic State, as my friend at the Washington Post so aptly put it. You can't go there. So, I mean, they, they do actively target journalists. We know for a fact. We all saw it on TV in the most horrific way that they will kill journalists for all the world to see. So we can't go there. We can't go there. We can't understand them. We can't interview them. We can't talk to them. We can't do the thing that we do, right? So part of me is kind of glad that I'm not there because I would just be unbelievably frustrated that that's a part of the story that we just can't tell. Now, now that you're in the chair, what do you hope that you and the team there can can do more of in the next year? I mean, wh- how do you see uh, All Things Consider evolving um, with, with you and Ari and, and the rest of the team kind of uh, in, in lead positions now? Two things. Taking the show out of the building. Um, having four hosts actually really frees us up and means that you're doing the big, heavy, crazy studio days, you know, for some of your month. But the other parts of the month, you're getting out the door. And not just doing the kind of same kind of reporting that we were already doing, but maybe teaming up with reporters who are already on the ground, reporters at stations, reporters at NPR, and saying, this is a story of national import. We're here. Come talk to us. You know, like, I love this idea. I mean, with technology now, you don't need a studio to do an interview with somebody. You know, you need a this little machine called a Comrex. You hook it up to the Internet, and you're like, you can broadcast from wherever you are. I used to do it from a mountain in Yemen. I, can, I know I can do it from, you know, North Carolina if I need to, um, <laughs> a, a rural road in North Carolina. You know, so, I mean, that's what we want to do is take the show out of the building, you know, open our door, literally open our studio doors, get to places and say, come talk to us. Tell us why this story is important. Where are the newsmakers in this community who've got something to say? I'd like to interview them. You know, I don't need to call them up from Washington or from here in Culver City, California. I want to go out. I want to hear them. I want to hear them where they live. So that's something we really want to do. We're really committed to do that. And the other thing is is sound different, right? When you bring in, you've got new voices, you want them to sound different. And I think what we've talked about and what... um, well, I think what, we, what we've talked about is just sounding different. You know, there's a thing out there called podcasts, and they're changing the way people um, access, quote unquote, radio. And they're changing sort of what people, you know, think they like. And I think what we see people gravitating toward are things that are more conversational or more personal, um, that pull back a, the curtain a little bit. You know, you don't have to be this sort of omniscient, all-knowing newscaster anymore. You can be a human being a little bit. Um, and so I, I know that that's what I want to bring to the show is, is just a sense that this is a human being. I make mistakes sometimes. Sorry. Um, you know, but, but that I have human reactions to things, you know, that things aren't just totally perfect and canned and curated all the time, that, that they're just human interactions between people, as messy as those can be. Kelly McEvers is one of the new co-hosts of All Things Considered. Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. You are welcome. Thanks for having me.